This is Neon Radio, episode 184, with Todd and Tara Youngblood. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, my fellow creative cosmonauts? Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and I am excited today to talk about sleep. Sleep is one of my favorite things, and it's become one of my favorite biohacks, life optimizations, and if you're anything like me, I realize that I, I, I operate and I'm most creative and most productive when I have the best night's sleep, when I have a great night's sleep across different, all different ways of how that could possibly be. But when I, when I have a really good night's rest, I wake up, I'm a creative, I can get more things done, I can actually focus and think. And being at the top of my game is, is something I want to be because I love what I do and I love creating, I love getting up, I love making things. And when I have a good night's sleep, I'm at my best for that. So over the last few years, I have been interested in and in finding better ways to hack that, to get better sleep. You know, one of the things about sleep is that you're restoring and regenerating your body's cells. And that's one of the best things that you can do. Sleep restores the body. And when you get better sleep, you get more restorative health. And one of the biggest hacks that I discovered a few years ago is called the Chili Pad. I discovered it through a friend of mine, Matt Gallant, who's a biohacker who's been on the podcast a long time ago. But he told me about the the Chili Pad and I ended up picking one up. And it has been the biggest game changer in my sleep career, if you want to call it that. And... Um, what it is, it is a pad that goes above the mattress, below your uh, fitted sheet, and it basically runs cooled water through these tiny little tubes in the pad. And you can actually turn the, you can chill the water to whatever temperature you want. 65 to 68 is, is the typical best sleeping temperature. Uh, which kind of fluctuates a little bit depending on the pad, but in the in terms of the room, I used to have to blast my AC down to 65 degrees to to get the most optimal like sleep temperature, and we'll explain that today in in the episode. But this chili pad, I can keep the temperature in my room up to 72, but the pad drops down to 60 to 65 degrees, and it cools your core body temperature, which gives you deeper sleep. So if you run hot. This thing is amazing. Uh, you, it also has, you have two different units for each half of the bed. So you, if you have a significant other, you can control each side. So today I'm super stoked to bring to you the founders and the creators of this amazing device, Todd and Tara Youngblood. Tara just came out with a book on sleep hacking and how you can hack your way to better sleep. So we talk about some of those different nerdiness, nerd, deep nerd dives into the sleep world, which I love. And um, we talk about the chili pad. We talk about how your, when you drop your core body temperature, it signifies your body is, it's time for, to go to sleep. So you can, you can sleep earlier. Many, many things we dive into. We go deep 
into the world of sleep here and I'm very excited about it. They have created a revolutionary device and it's been cool to see how it came to be and all the health benefits and everything about it. So with that, don't forget to go over to the Neon Life quiz. Take the quick 10 question quiz. We'll serve you up some free content of where you're at in your creative journey. That is over at neonlife.com slash quiz. That's N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E. And then if you actually, we are going to give away a little discount if you want to pick up a chili pad. And uh, you can find that over at the show notes. We'll have it linked up there. And the show notes are at neonradio.com slash EP184. That's N-I-O-N radio.com slash EP184. Go over there. Click to find the, the discount code. So with that... I bring to you the ones, the onlys, Mr. Todd and Tara Youngblood. All right, guys, what's going on? We have a Todd and Tara Youngblood in the house today, and they're the founders of the Chili Pad. And if you guys haven't heard of this, it is the most genius, revolutionary thing that I've experienced, and it's a cooling system for your bed. But I'm going to have them talk about it because they know a lot more than I do. But welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thrilled to be here, Nick. Thanks for Yeah, you guys are in from... Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte. I've been there once, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, buddy, a good buddy of mine was living there a long time ago. But yeah, super stoked to talk because I am all about hacking my sleep and how much... How can I get better sleep? So we're going to talk about that today. That's a perfect fit. So I call myself a sleep geek because I absolutely geek out on sleep. I can't get enough of learning about it, figuring out how it works and continuing to refine it. I traditionally have always been a horrible sleeper. So I have to have a recipe. I have to have a, a reason and a why and details and a plan to make it all work. I love it. And you just wrote a book. Yes. So I put all of that geekiness into my reprogram your sleep book. Got it. So what's kind of the principles of the recipe? So it starts with your chronotype, which is a fancy way of talking about your body clock or circadian rhythm. And it sort of looks at what kind of sleeper you are, a morning person, night owl, when you should go to sleep. So figuring out that ideal timing. And the magic of that really comes in figuring out something called your sleep switch. So there's actually a sleep switch. It's not my invention. It came from Clifford Sapier out of Harvard, discovered our neurons are triggered to sleep if we trigger them in the right window with temperature, ironically. Oh, interesting. So is that how you guys started the chili pad is just through that concept? No, you know, it's kind of interesting. We actually started the chili pad based on comfort. And we, you know, I was too hot. I was sleeping chronically hot and wake up a hot, sweaty mess and having to change the sheets and it's just terrible. And so we really thought like, hey, if you can change everything about your bed, sleep on foam or inner spring or air. My uncle actually invented the water bed 50 years ago. You could sleep on water. But if you're hot, like you're, you're toast, you can't sleep. So we really started about temperature and then like kind of through evolution, we found that, man, there's this magical thing that's happening with temperature and sleep. And when our pro athletes and like VIPs started telling us what it was doing for sleep, that's where my uh, sleep geek friend jumped in to really <laughs> understand like the science of what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't resist that problem. How is it so magical and why? And so really did a deep dive into how does sleep really work? Why does why does temperature matter? 
And a, a lot of it, you know, really is very simple in the fact that we still live outside for most of our evolutionary existence as human beings. We existed by what the planet was doing temperature wise. We didn't have these consistent houses that kept our temperature at one temperature, whether it's winter or summer or sunny or rainy. And our bodies got used to timing our sleep about that temperature. And so our mm. body temperature actually goes up and down by a couple degrees at core body temperature throughout oh, wow. the day. And in the middle of the night, it's actually the lowest, two degrees cooler. So when you're someone like Todd that's too hot in the middle of the night, your body's trying to, as a human engine, put off all the heat it can. And the chili pad basically acts like a radiator for that human engine and pulls the heat off. Wow. Yeah, I love that. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit more in the uh, the science side of things. So when, how does it work when your body is, you know, it, it's your core temperature is high and low and like when does it turn and how does that shift? Yeah. So I like to call it buckets of sleep and that really factors into the fact that I'm a mom of four boys and a farm girl and you put stuff that is messy into buckets. So I've really broken up the night into these three buckets of sleep. And the first one was the bedtime that we talked about with that sleep switch. And you want to mm. be able to trigger that. But it has to be more like a change. So for me, I like to warm up to fall asleep. And Todd likes to sleep on a slab of ice. So for him, it's, you know, it's cold. For me, it's warm. It doesn't really matter as long as you're changing something. And that helps flip those neurons. And when they do, they release melatonin and help you fall asleep. But the oh, next bucket of sleep is the one that Chili Pad is, well, frankly, magical in, and it's deep sleep. So deep sleep is really elusive. Although you have all different kinds of sleep, light sleep, REM sleep all night long, that first window as your core body temperature is dropping to its lowest point in the middle of the night, and it really depends on when you go to sleep, you know, morning person, night owl, when that time is. But it's somewhere for me as a morning person between three and four in the middle of the night. And when it's dropping, it wants to be colder. And when you do that, the density, the quality of your sleep, you get really good deep sleep. And that's what makes us feel rested in the morning. What's what allows us to recover. There's mm. DNA repair. There's healing. All of those things that we want sleep to be happens a lot of it in that deep sleep zone. Oh, wow. And then REM sleep is also something that is really important. You can't not have that as well. And the second half of the night really is much more about REM sleep. So again, you still can get some deep sleep as you get older, less and less, especially in that morning time. But just like the earth was warming up, our bodies are warming back up to that closer to that regular average temperature. And so we want to warm up. And your Uller, if you've tried your warm awake, that's the reason for the warm awake. It's to warm you up. And when you do, you flip off your sleep switch. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've been playing around with the warm up, but then sometimes it warms up at the wrong time because I set it on a schedule and I forgot. And then I was like trying to sleep in. I was like, why am I dripping with sweat? <laughs> yeah, because once you get warm, you don't want to go back to sleep. Your body's like, ooh. It must be time to get up. Yeah, and the problem is, is like when you don't have a sleep, <laughs> which is what I find when I'm traveling, it's I wake up, if the temperature is erratic in the room, I wake up at like four in the morning dripping with sweat and I'm like, Ugh, and then I can't go back to sleep and then I get like... And that's probably correlating to your lowest point. So your core body temperature is really wishing it was two degrees colder and it's trying to offset and put that heat out and it has nowhere to go, nowhere to take it away, no radiator to cool you down. <laughs> yeah, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I guess that's the benefits and the not so benefits of travel. 
Yes. Yeah, I, I always say, you know, you have to choose between taking clothes or taking your chili pad. So it's a tough decision for me sometimes, but uh, occasionally I'll pack a bag and then I'll check it and make it all work. But man, it's, it's tough driving without temperature regulation. We're just now starting to work on the right, like hotel partners so we can get it in hotels so that you can just show up at the right place. And then you'd still get your sleep dialed in because crazy enough, hotels aren't selling sleep. They're selling the free breakfast. They're selling free parking. They're selling a great decor and amazing lobby and like where you want to eat, but they're not selling sleep. It's cr- it's crazy to me. It's a human parking lot. It's truly like you just go to there to park. Yeah. What's up with that? I think that's a big part of the sleep conversation. Like we don't respect sleep in general. There's those of us that have figured it out and say, I really need this. But so much of the population just doesn't care enough about sleep. That's wild because I know that it is like the most restorative thing that you can do to your body, especially when you're pushing yourself hard, you're working out, you're doing all these things. Your body needs that sleep to regenerate. I I do feel like, you know, we've had diet crazes and fitness phases in our sort of fad health things. And I, I really, when you see the rise of sleep tech and where that market is going, I really do feel like that is, that is the next health fad. And it's, it's worth every bit of energy you put into it. Oh, absolutely. I think over the last couple of years, like I've realized how important sleep is to me and like how, how I can like actually optimize it. And um, so I've been trying different things. And I mean, I stumbled across the chili pad, I think a few years ago, Maybe it was your Tim Ferriss or it was Tim. I have another friend of mine who actually was on the podcast a long time ago. We were talking about sleep hacks and he mentioned, mentioned you guys. And like pretty much after that, I went and got one and it was like, it was like a game changer. Yeah. We've got so much gratitude out there. I mean, there's a lot of people that have, you know, it's changed their lives for. And I honestly think that one of the reasons it's adopted so well is because all you have to do is get in bed and push a button. Like all these other things. And that's one of the the things that Tim Ferriss jokes about in one of his books is the fact that of all the advice he gives, like chili pad is widely adopted because all you do is sit on your bed, you buy this device and you push a button and you get better sleep. Like you literally like buying a better golf game, like you can actually buy better sleep. You know, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, there's there's a ton of people that were fortunate to use it. Honestly, the, the early adopters out there like yourself, they know like the, the, what are the game changing technology that is gives you an edge that no one else has, gives yeah. you life edge. I'm all about the the biohacking and on all, trying all these crazy different things, but definitely a game changer. Let's jump back a little bit. So you were talking about the switch. Mm-hmm. How does one go about finding out what their switch is, finding their circadian rhythm? Like I hear people are, some people are actually night owls and that's just the way they're born. Some people are, you know, morning people. And that's the way they're born. How do how do you dictate that and figure out what's what? So at a really sciencey level, your PER3 gene is actually what dictates what chronotype you are. So it goes back down at a most basic level. You're kind of born that way, and that's kind of what you're alluded to. But you can also answer pretty simple quizzes online. If you literally Google chronotype quiz, most of them are pretty similar. This was actually discovered by Germans in like 1970. This is not new, but it's always flabbergasting to me. Everything in your body is governed by this clock. So when you should eat, when you should work out, when you're at your cognitive best, when you're at your most creative is actually all entrained to the same clock. So if you find out that information, it's way more powerful than just sleep. You know, when your blood pressure is the highest, when you're, you know, all of those little nuances of if you were going to do something during the day, like your best time to make a 
a smart decision has been studied and entrained to your biological clock. So that's a great place to start because it's it's applicable to so many areas. So even as you set up your work day, because so many of us can be flexible a little bit, yeah. and you have your deep work, if you're a morning person, that should really be in your morning time. That's like, you want to get that done before lunchtime. You know, yeah. versus a night person, they have way more flex, <laughs> but they have a harder time waking up in the morning and being productive if they've got that eight o'clock meeting. But if you know that information and you know it's going to be a super tough meeting, if you can, set it to the time where you're going to be at your best. Yeah. And that's just, as I said, it's really powerful information no matter what. But for sleep, it tells you when you should go to sleep. And that window is when your brain is actually sort of sending out feelers. Is there a change in temperature? What's going on? A lot of people are sensitive to blue light. And that's one of the other things your your brain is hunting around, kind of like, is there lots of light? Is it time to go to sleep is what it's looking for in that window. And when you do, that's when that sleep switch gets thrown. Oh, wow. But so many of us, if we don't go to sleep, we often get that sort of second wind we talk about. It's because we've skipped that and our body's like, ooh, something's going on. I need to, I need to be more on high alert because I've skipped my, my window. And we honestly, then we kind of really miss it. And that's when we, you know, our, our zones of that bedtime bucket, that deep sleep bucket, those are set to that clock. So if we don't, if we're supposed to go to sleep at nine and we go to sleep at 11, our window of opportunity is just that much shorter. We just don't get the same density of deep sleep. How do you know? Is there like a site or something that is that helps you find out like when, what time your actual window is? So if you literally just Google chronotype quiz, there's tons out there. Actually, I think you did mention Michael Bruce. He's got a book called The Power of When. Oh. He names his different chronotypes, but it doesn't really matter what they're called. It's more about yeah. figuring out what that does. And almost all of them will give you a, a pretty basic schedule. Okay. How, how many chronotypes are there? So there's really, you can break it down into finer points. Like there's a whole, obviously scale, like human beings. There's, you know, there's no distinct, we can just, you know, group it into distinct groups. You know, there's morning people, but as you move to the edge of that, spe there's spec there's a spectrum. So obviously there's extreme morning people where they're happy to wake up at three or four and there's extreme night people that are going to be going to sleep way late. Those are really small portions of the population. They're still technically considered that, but it, you know, breaks up into three or four groups depending on what your criteria are for those those groups. Yeah, absolutely. How do you how do you adjust when you're, you know, going through different time zones and traveling? And I mean, I know it's always I just got back from LA last night and I was like, I had to like take melatonin last night to go to bed. And then I woke I set my alarm for seven this morning. I was like, whoa, a little brutal. Yeah. So Todd travels like crazy. So he has the best hacks. Yeah. So I mean I'm two and a half million miles in or so. I've you know I've been to China a hundred times. I, I I feel like for a while I spend more times in the airplane than the flight attendants and pilots. But for me, I'm more of a night owl. Tara Lean's more um, early bird or, or, or morning person. But for me, I have to sleep with the blinds open because that's one of my secret sauces to resetting with wherever I'm sleeping. Because I know when that light comes up, that's where all the magic stuff for me starts. And I have to work out in the morning. So it's getting my blood flowing, resetting that cycle. And whenever I get on the plane, the moment I get on the plane, I'm in the time zone I'm landing. I don't do the whole back and forth and wonder what time it should feel like. And I feel like there's a mental game about you know, setting, setting your intention. Look, I'm on the West coast. I got to be a West coast person. I got to do my thing or I'm in Asia, you know, you flipping 12 hours. 
it is what it is. You land at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. I have to be, you know, at my meeting by nine. You just go. So my recipe starts in the morning is really morning focused. Uh, and that's for me part about being a night owl. Oh, wow. Is it because he has a hard time waking up? But it is all about that recipe. I think that's one of the things I talk about in my book is it's about knowing the recipe for you. So you know your clock because that's what you set your sort of time frame for your recipe. You know what works. And no matter where you go in the world, you kind of plan that way. Just as Todd talked about, he's looking for those light cues. That means his body is like looking for when that trigger to turn off sleep is supposed to happen. And we can't, our bodies are magical and how they'll turn those things on and off. We just have to respect what they want and know what they're looking for in order to give it to them. Yeah. What? So what other pieces of the recipe are there? Most of them really revolve around the reduction of stress and bad activities and sort of making sure <laughs> all of us like to go out and have a drink with friends or whatever. And, you know, we have to make sure we're smart about how often we do that, like diet and exercise, like it's yeah. okay to on vacation, not work out or do your routine, but then you kind of have to go back to it. Sleep really has to be treated the same way. And when you look at those bedtime buckets of when you go to sleep, you can't have your mind racing. If that's something that is something you have a problem with, you have a hard time falling asleep, then you definitely want to think about, am I, am I expressing gratitude? Am I journaling? Am I being intentional? Am I meditating? For some people, it's as far as doing yoga or Qigong or, you know, some of those movement slash meditating. They have to, you know, if they're a person that needs to move to, to flow their mind, you know, it's about knowing those tricks for you. And I really feel like, you know, we use the AB testing and creating websites of like, what's most successful, we don't apply it to our own health. That's the beauty of biohacking, I think, is that we as people, when we are biohacking or we're A-B testing ourselves and we need to A-B test our sleep. And when we do, we can get that ideal thing. But if you ask most people, they'll be like, oh no, when I meditate, I have to do this. This is what works best. And, or I don't meditate, I do this. And really that's the personalization part. There's no one answer for any of us, but that's that's the same with everything. There's not one answer that's or one magic pill that'll fix us all. Yeah, there's a lot of tools that you can use yeah. to, to do that. I know for me, like I uh, I do Vedic Vedic meditation every day, which is a mantra based meditation, and it actually like induces like transcendence and like you drops you into theta like low alpha theta and, and delta sometimes pretty, pretty quickly. And a lot of that, so I've found that if I wake up at like four in the morning just, and my mind starts racing, I'll get up and I'll meditate for like 20 minutes and it actually helps drop me back in. Yes, that's definitely one of the tips in my book for people that wake up in the middle of the night. If it's not related to temperature or some other reason, if you're just waking up and your mind is spinning, that meditation is absolutely, and you can, a lot of the meditations can almost duplicate that deep sleep state or pretty close to it. It's it's amazing what meditation could do. Yeah, it's huge. Do you guys meditate daily on on the on the regular? Yeah. Yes. I mean for me it's it's uh it has to do with kind of my setting my intention for the day and just clearing my head. I actually even kind of built that in for me. I I'm a napper, part of that uh uh, night owl kind of chronotype, but for me, naps are huge. And it's really about clearing my mind and making sure that I get that reset in the middle of the day. And then that it's amazing how that recharges me for the whole rest of the day. So I spend the time, you know, in the morning, just clearing my head to start my day with a clear head. But that noontime break for me, it literally is short as an eight minute nap, believe it or not, is like all I need to 
totally reset my brain, reset my body, and I get up and it's uh, it's like a whole new person. It's crazy. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, I think we emphasize everything that's opposite. So if I did that, I would be destroyed. Like if I go to lay down or like the middle of the day, it's so is it's just destructive to everything about my mind flow. For me, I have to, you know, I start with journaling every day because I I need to know I'm looking for that dopamine fix of crossing that off all day. So I need to have a sense of this is what I need to do. These are my big rocks. And then I can get started. But that end of day, if I'm not deliberate on that meditation time, and I'm not really thoughtful about taking that meditation time, that I, I Every time I think I can shortcut it and if like I'm traveling or whatever and I'm not going to do it, it, it kicks me in the butt like every single time. So I, I yeah, I, I can't, I can't live without it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how that some of that stuff just grounds, you know, when you have that routine, even if you can take it on the road, you know, for me, the meditation when I'm traveling is like a grounding thing mm-hmm. and it keeps me somewhat centered, <laughs> like different time zones and everything, but big believer in it. For sure. Any other recipe pieces? Well, I have to say the one thing that we just launched actually a week ago is our weighted blanket. So that's because I am am in love with weighted blankets. Part of it is probably my history of I do have a history of some depression and anxiety. And so when I'm under a weighted blanket, it feels awesome. But it can also be really heavy and hot, which is what it's supposed to do. But I want to be cooler. So we built in cooling to that. So you get your serotonin burst of the weighted blanket and then you get cooling so you're not too hot. Ooh. So what's the, yeah, I guess what's the um, science behind why that happens with like the weighted blanket and how that works? Yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, I think some of it they have really well scienced out and documented. They do, there's a measurable serotonin release of using weighted blankets. Other, you know, there's people that are, have a higher tendency to be more anxious are going to see the results than, you know, someone like Todd goes under and is like, oh, it's good. And, you know, it's, but it's not the same as when I do it and it's magical. So, you know, as every study, we go back to there's, you know, that results are going to be measurable for someone that has a hard time falling asleep. You know, it's it's another extension of meditating or being still or those kind of, and, it, and again, you climb underneath it. So it's a pretty easy, easy hack to get you, your mind settled down. Yeah. It sounds like both of you guys are like complete opposites. So you get the best, you get the best AB testing. <laughs> yeah, we are AB testers. Yeah, we're, we're a great perfect in the AB test world. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> so you're an early night person. What time is your normal bedtime? Around nine o'clock. And actually we were nine talking o'clock. about it. Wow. Uh, yes. We were talking about like entrepreneurs that work together and I have to be at a spot where I'm not talking about work after eight o'clock. I'm like settling in, trying to figure that out. And Todd is still going. Like he can be typing until midnight. Yeah. If I'm not working between nine and 12, like I've missed like a good chunk of my day. So we're like Tara's winding down. Usually when I'm home or not traveling for a while, she's like, you seriously, you need to get out of my space. Like I'm, I'm wanting to wind down. Like this is my go to bed routine. And I'm thinking, Hey, but this, what about this? Like, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, the kid needs this. And she's like, like seriously, Todd, like, let me, let me chill out. So we're, we, we figure out that recipe between us, but yeah, we, we figured that AB test is pretty, pretty radical. It is. And part of it is I'm a big reader. All that sleep geek knowledge came from somewhere. So I have to have my reading time. I'm, I, I got to hold on to that. Yeah. So where, where did you get, you know, where, where do you get your sleep geek knowledge? 
what kind of what's been some of your favorite books and and different pieces that have helped educate you along the way? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a long journey. I hit rock bottom with sleep in really by the end of 2009. So in unfortunately in 2008, our youngest son Benjamin suddenly died, and that's really what put me into this spiral of depression and lack of sleep. I just stopped sleeping. And at that time, we were selling the chili pad and we were, you know, having people like you like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And I'm like, I need to find out more information about how I can make this work for me. But I need to also fill in the gaps around that and make a full recipe. The chili pad didn't complete my recipe. It was a good piece of it, but it wasn't enough. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, if all these people are having life-changing experiences, the scientist in me was like, okay, how does that work? I I am a big, you know, how does it work question asker. So part of the pet peeve I have with medical studies of any kind is most of them are sponsored by a certain person or paid for. So I've really researched all over the globe, different studies, compared them, did a deep dive into who the participants were because there's a remarkable lack of information on how women sleep versus how men sleep. Apparently we're a real pain in the butt with our cycles and we are, you know, weird with temperature and hormones and it's confusing to study, which is pet peeve as a woman, but it doesn't provide all the information you need. So it's literally thousands and thousands of research papers are put together into that. There's some really great books by you know, Matthew Walker and Why Do We Sleep is just, it's a great sort of handbook of sleep and a great place to start. He did a great job. I think the only thing I struggle with, with the average sort of sleep doctor or sleep mantra is that eight hours. And we get anxiety around why we need eight hours and this magical thing we need to achieve. And it's really much more about the quality of your sleep. Sleep trackers have been great. They give us great data, but it's sometimes skewed on what that sleep tracker is. Some are better than others. And it's easy to get off kilter on what's working and what's not. And again, it goes back to equality data for that A-B testing. Mm -hmm. And so it's a a never-ending pursuit. I subscribe to every, you know, medical <laughs> sleep journal. My yeah. office is ridiculous on the stacks of journals and and those kind of things cuz you it's changing. It's a it's a new science. Sleep yeah. is really new. The last 20 years has really exploded with research. And so there's new stuff coming out every day on how it works and there's fun goofy magical stuff all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, is like the chronotype, does the chronotype depend, give you like a certain amount of sleep that you have to have? Or how do you, how do you figure like what's a good requirement for you in terms of how many hours do you need? For me, I feel like I operate the best at eight. And if I get less than that, like I get foggy, uh, like I, I, have, I get really tired during the day. But I, I think some of it is about personality. Us, us morning people tend to need more sleep than night owls. That's unfortunate, but that's why I'm going to bed earlier. Some of it is has to do with age. So quality of our sleep diminishes as we age as well. And if you're not getting good quality sleep, then you often need more of it. That's why an elderly person is going to take more naps and sleep more. The deep sleep you get when you're 20 years old is about two hours or 20% of that eight hours. And it tends to go away as we get older. And by the time you're 80, you may get none. 
So you really have to look at those quality numbers as as much as that time in bed. Wow. So now REM sleep. What's what's the benefit? I guess what's the benefits of the different levels of sleep, like deep REM sleep, and then light. It was like light sleep. I have my aura ring, so sometimes I'll like track it. But somebody was saying it wasn't as accurate in terms of telling you what you're what you're getting sleep wise. Yeah, so I actually feel like aura is pretty accurate. It's about ninety percent as accurate as having a sleep study. But here's the thing about the science with that is when you're in a sleep study, you have about 63 different probes attached to you for the most part. You have to lay flat on your back and someone looks manually at your brain waves to do that as you're you're doing that. That's a pretty strict polysomnic, you know, that's that's the benchmark. However, for me, that would give me a terrible sleep. Uh, there's no way I would lay, like my body would happily stay up for weeks in that state and not go to sleep. Yeah, you know, like I'd, I'd, I'd fall asleep out of pure exhaustion eventually. So the problem becomes, is the aura ring as accurate as having someone measure your brain waves? No. But is it more accurate because you're in your home environment and sleeping and you can have that sleep tracked over time? And that's really the most consistent thing because things change. HRV is a great indicator of, honestly, if you're not feeling well, it'll show up in your HRV scores. Heart rate rate variability. Your resting heart rate is another one that'll indicate whether you're actually recovering or becoming less stressed or whether you're about to get sick. All of those metrics all exist but you have to know what you're looking for. And I think that's the biggest miss with sleep tracking is the recipe of what good looks like and matching that and setting that standard. Because again, if you're A-B testing and you don't know what good is supposed to look like, how do you, how do you know to, what to test for? How do, what's the benchmark? And it's yeah. different for each of us, but we can, we can figure out that recipe and we can create a benchmark. You know, I think the other part of the conversation that we're, we continue to try to harp on is the difference between amount of sleep and sleep density. So the quality of sleep is so key because so the, when we work with the military, they use our product because they can't always predetermine how much sleep their guys are going to get, but they know if they can give them maximum amount of sleep density, they're arming them with the best tools they have. And so when you know you're going to have a short sleep, doing the things like, you know, controlling not drinking alcohol before three hours before bedtime or some of the the triggers that really impact sleep, understanding how to manage those, that's how you manage your sleep density. So if you know you have a short night, you got to catch an early flight, you're changing time zones, whatever, like that's the other like secret sauce that I think is really underutilized. So much conversation about eight hours. But if you're a commute every day, there's so many things in life that prevent us from getting eight hours that, you know, we, we want, we want to make sure that we're kind of giving people the hope that even if they're like, can't get what the doctor's prescribing per se, they can still end up with a good quality of sleep. Got it. Got it. So what, what else that like affects, so like say REM sleep or deep sleep, what kind of factors affect whether you're getting more or less of that. Cause I mean, if I'm reading my aura ring, right, it says like, oh, you did horrible with REM sleep and it, that's pretty consistent. So, and I have my chili pad, I've got my humidifier, I've got my, <laughs> all my stuff. So like, you know, and I typically don't, I, I try to eat earlier. I don't really drink late, that kind of thing. So how much deep sleep are you getting? What's your average percentage? Do you know? I think the deep sleep is higher. And the reason I'm asking is because the one factor of keeping your temperature on your Uller 
cold until you wake up and not flipping to that REM sleep zone is your deep sleep will cannibalize your REM. And so we see that sometimes. And that's where sort of the talk of the recipe. And honestly, that goes back to my story of you can have the right thing, which means you got awesome deep sleep, but it's, it is about that density and the balance of, of having all of the right things. And so although your deep sleep, again, you have REM sleep and light sleep in that deep sleep zone, but that's where it's most likely to happen. And REM sleep is the same. And and the difference really is deep sleep is about those deep healing times. It's DNA repair. Shortly after falling into deep sleep, your spinal fluid actually comes up and washes your brain of toxins. It's it's in it scrubbing, cleaning, fixing. That's if you were to epitomize what deep sleep is, it's it's in that kind of mode. Your REM sleep is really much more about some of those emotions and those memories. And although there's memories filed in deep sleep as well, it's really about focusing on that, that emotional recovery. So there's there's two sides of those recoveries. It's like physical and emotional. And the REM sleep is a really important long-term to keep feeling emotionally recovered and being able to manage stress and your life and all those sort of things. And so you want to be careful not to cannibalize one for the other. And if you're not cooling during deep sleep, what happens is you often get more REM sleep or light sleep, which is that nice ribbon that goes through the middle. And there are some things that happen during light sleep, but it's probably the least studied part of sleep right now. So they're still trying to figure out there's spindles and and K points and some interesting things that are happening in light sleep that only happen in light sleep. But for the most part, we we see that as a ribbon of, you know, you go below and you go kind of above that line of deep sleep. So how many cycles do you go through? And like, what what is the cycle of like... So that's probably one of my pet peeves. If you look at like a typical night and it's this pretty little graph and you'll see that there's, you know, three full deep sleep cycles. And then depending on your age, you'll probably do one more with a shorter deep sleep. And then your fifth cycle will probably have no deep sleep and it's pretty and clean. Then you look at your sleep tracker and you go... That doesn't look anything like this nice little up and down roller coaster with pretty even ups and downs. So they feel like sleep cycles are about 90 minutes. But when you look at that sleep tracker, it doesn't always correlate to that. So I really feel like for me, when that disconnect happens, I trust what feels right on that. And I think on our age changes. So those 90-minute cycles, when you look at the studies that were done, they like to study college men a lot. And, you know, they have those ideal sleep patterns, but that gets messed up based on all those HRV things that, you know, we reflect our, what are happening in our day, the stress that's happening in our day. There's a lot going on in our bodies and what they need to recover and what they need to do. So it doesn't always look like that nice, perfect five cycles, but that's okay. I think that's where putting out this perfect example of this is what it looks like. And then very few people will actually see that happen in their sleep tracker, but that's okay. But I mean, yeah, I guess, no, that's super helpful. But so what is like, I guess the whole significance and idea of cycles and how do they relate to, you know, how you feel the next day or... So deep sleep is one of the epitomizes that rested feeling. So getting two hours of deep sleep, the military has referred to of how they measure fatigue, how they measure recovery. A lot of our athletes, they're looking to target that 20-year-old's two hours of deep sleep. 
one of the things we can do with our product is to still hack that. So on my Aura Ring, I've talked about the fact that I can still get two hours even if I'm traveling or other things and there's only six hours. So that's that's an early aim. But again, if you're cannibalizing your REM sleep over time to get that, you have to find that balance of what works for you. So you really want to be about two hours of each if you were getting eight hours of sleep, ideally, and then kind of look at those percentages as they fit into your sleep scope. So like two hours of deep, two hours of REM. Yep. Creates creates a good balance. You'll feel like, wow. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do today? Put on my super cape. Your readiness score is 100. <laughs> it's so interesting. I, I think that it's, you know, I oscillate and I, you know, different things affect that for me but yeah i think the rem sleep was like okay how do I, how can i access that a little bit more if it's if it's dropped right so i would say if, if without the chili pad you're waking up around four o'clock that's usually when you've hit that core lowest point so i would probably around five set your uller to warm up a little bit and when i say warm up it doesn't have to be 100 degrees it's just warm it up so it's your threshold of cold is a little bit higher threshold of cold you mean like so it's well so it if we look at like what feels cold to you Normally, if you keep it on absolutely the lowest level, then move it up to room temperature. If you have it at room temperature, then move it up to 80, maybe, you know, like create about a 10 to 15 degree, like move up from where you started. That's the hard part about depending on when we start for that deep sleep. What's that cold zone look like for you? Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's so interesting. My my ex a couple of years ago, like it was like clockwork. Her the AC would like show she had the radiator heat and it would just like cook the room, but like the AC that you'd use the AC to balance out the temperature in the room. And for some reason, like clockwork at like four in the morning, it would just shut off. And I'd wake up and I'd be like just sweating like profusely and then like I would just get horrible sleep there. It is a lot of people when they say I wake up in the middle of the night and there's people that wake up and they're not sweating. They'll say I need a, I woke up and I have to use the restroom. When you're in deep sleep, your body actually releases a hormone to prevent that and so you shouldn't be waking up unless you're, you know, at an age where that's an issue as a separate issue, but a normal adult shouldn't wake up to use the restroom in the middle of the night. So if you're waking up to use the restroom and you try temperature regulation, most of the time they won't wake up. That's one of the things we get with someone that, especially spouses, one spouse gets it and then they, the other spouse gets it by accident and they're like, oh, I was a great sleeper. I was just fine. And then oh, wait, I don't toss and turn and I don't wake up to go to the bathroom anymore. And ironically, they thought they were an okay sleeper but they really weren't entirely. We, we kind of talk ourselves into thinking we're better than we were in sleep. <laughs> too funny, too funny. So what are some other ways? So like, say like if you're traveling or even just like last night, you know, I came back, I'm in a different time zone. I, you know, I'm I'm in a different time zone, but I, I always do it like you do. I act as if I'm in that time zone. But like, you know, I was like, I couldn't, I took a couple of squirts of melatonin, to like actually fall asleep because I uh, sometimes that's like when I come back from LA, that's typically what happens. I have a hard time falling asleep. Do you guys have any tips for for doing that? I would treat it like it's the middle of the night when you've woken up and you're trying to go to sleep. And for a lot of people, this is where a yoga nidra or an intense meditation is really going to help focus your body. So you're you're teasing it to want to be 
back into its normal cycle. Just like your, you know, your release of melatonin naturally happens with your sleep switch. So you're also using that melatonin exactly what you were using it for to try to trigger that. Yeah. But to try to mimic that with your other routines as much as possible. Well, and probably because you're an early bird, you probably, sleep drive is probably an issue for you, particularly changing time zones a bunch. So it's about, does your body really ready to go to sleep? Or you're like, nope, it's the time I'm supposed to go to sleep because I need to get the right amount of rest. And I think, Terry, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the tricks you've got to build up sleep drive? Yeah. So it, it's a actual real thing they talk about. By the time you wake up in the morning, you're actually starting that clock towards sleep drive. So that's where Todd talked about the importance of starting that morning. It's harder on the day that you travel because you can't restart that morning. But one of those tricks is if you know you're going to fly during the day is to preemptively try to start to fix it first thing in the morning. So if you're on the West Coast, you really try to do it as if you were waking up here and start when you can. So like wake up early. Wake up earlier, exercise, go through all the motions, try to change your temperature outside, take a walk outside, do whatever you can do to be basically saying to your body, I'm supposed to be awake now. So then when you get home, you want to go to sleep at that time. Got it. So sleep drive, how would you how would you find sleep drive? So the moment you wake up, that sleep sort of almost, it really looks like a curve if you look at it and Google it. And it really begins the moment you wake up and you flip off that sleep switch and it's driving towards that point. And that point exists based on your chronotype. So that clock starts ticking and everything you do during the day helps to build towards that crescendo of sleep drive that allows us to flip that sleep switch and go to sleep well. And it's sort of knowing, again, knowing when that crescendo is likely to happen or needs to happen for your body helps you set up your whole day and kind of keep keep that in mind. I think that's a powerful tool in chronotyping. Got it. Got it. So what are, what's the most nerdiest sleep fact? Oh, I love this question. It's, it is it's a sleep geek. <laughs> so there's a part of sleep called hypnagogic sleep. and um, Hypnagogic. Yes. And Thomas Edison actually made this most famous. And as a creative type, you will really appreciate this. So he made it famous. It's the first five minutes you fall asleep. And in that time, if you set an intention or question in your head, he would ask himself a problem that he wanted to solve. And he would put two steel balls in either hand. Then he'd lay on his workbench and take a nap. And he would fall asleep. And the moment he went into light sleep, your muscles relax as part of that sleep process. And the balls would fall on the floor and wake him up. Now, normally, we don't wake ourselves up. But when you do you are able to solve really interesting problems. And I think this is one of the most magical parts of sleep. When your unconscious is disconnected, you time travel, you do all the things that break the laws of physics in sleep. And so it's a powerful problem-solving tool. It's like, well, I don't know. I'll sleep on it. I'll figure it out. That saying actually has real meaning. And actually, it was a year ago, I was at an MIT media conference on dream engineering, and they're working on gloves that can help you stimulate this so that someone in a creative, I'm in writer's block equivalent of whatever that is for your creative zone. And they can use this tool to basically jumpstart their brain into being creative. Oh, interesting. So does it just happen when they're like tired kind of thing? And then 
it's a normal part of that sleep. It's it's the, really the first five minutes of you fall asleep. Every single night you have it. Ah. It's a tool that you have. Todd as a napper would be ideal to be able to use it. I don't nap very well, so I can't use it as naps. But if you ever want to play and you have a few moments in your bedtime thing, you can trigger, if you can trigger yourself, steel balls or whatever it is that you want to use. But whatever will wake you up, even a five-minute alarm if you're a light sleeper, try it out because yeah. it's kind of fun. I think lucid dreaming is another one. You know, I could spend a whole podcast on the power of lucid dreaming and what it can do for your brain. It does a lot of the things that the psychedelics are doing for a lot of those trauma and brain disorders, yeah. mental health. Your brain is naturally wanting to do that. And lucid dreaming is a, a natural way your brain already has figured it out. We just have to unlock it. Yeah. So explain lucid dreaming a little bit, because I was actually going to ask you about that. Like how, how does it work and like what actually is happening? Yeah, so this is definitely, yeah, super geek out on this. So lucid dreaming is when you're awake in your dream. You're cognizant enough, but you're actually sleeping. So your brain waves are saying, I'm sleeping, but you're cognizant of what's happening in the dream. Some people, there's a percentage of the population that lucid dreaming just happens and they get it. And other people will need to do some, you know, there's training you can do where you're basically similar to the hypnagogic thing that I was talking about on the start of sleep. Lucid dreaming is easiest basically right before you wake up. And it's about, you know, kind of preparing yourself to do that. When they do studies, they use, you know, some of those hallucinogen kind of drugs mm. to get them there to start to train them. But there is training techniques similar to meditation that puts you there. The beauty of it is you can basically... Well, it's kind of like playing your own TV show that you get to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And you can problem solve. You can have conversations. Let's say you want to break up with someone. You can go through the iterations of, and and it's that live back and forth. You yeah. know, there's been a lot of movies of like Inception and things like that. Our brains kind of are capable of those kind of things. And I, that's where a lot of the, like the MIT Dream Engineering Conference, the best minds in, in sleep, a lot of them are playing with memory targeting they're playing with being able to visualize what people are dreaming, being able to basically send a signal into your brain and being able to pull images out of what you're looking at and thinking about. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to get fun and funky. That's wild. Yeah, I interviewed this artist, Daniel Arsham, a while back. And he he's like this big, like he's a kind of in the street culture. He does like volcanic, like he does these like sculptures out of volcanic ash and things like that. But he said he uses lucid dreaming as part of his creative process. And I've always thought curious, I kind of makes me kind of want to take a class and learn how to do it. Cause I feel like for me, like I'll wake up and then my dreams are gone like that. And I'm like, I'm back in alpha and I can't remember anything. So I, yeah, I don't know how that, how to like kind of keep it in. Is we, are you in theta? Is that like when you're. It's yeah, it's an ideal kind of theta range, but it is about being able to have psychological triggers in order to keep you in that dream state. And it's, you know, it, it's a process like perfecting meditation. It's very similar. You know, when you start out meditation, you're like, I don't think I can change my brainwaves. I'm still, I'm still spinning. <laughs> I'm listening to the conversation. And, I, you know, it's, it feels like I'm never going to get to the spot where I'm going to change conscious states. And then you, you know, you practice and you practice and you get there. Lucid dreaming is 
absolutely the same process. Yeah, I can see that. Because, I, you know, now I'm getting, I've been meditating and I've been doing different types of meditation. Now I can kind of see where my, I can almost even feel and be aware of what parts of my brain are being activated. Yeah, I think you'll leapfrog into lucid dreaming. It's, again, our brains in meditation mimic sleep very much so. And those same feelings absolutely are part of lucid dreaming. It's about, you know, figuring out where in your brain you need to be triggering. And it's it's just a taught activity. So interesting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so what's next for you guys? Like what's what's happening in, in Chile world and and what do you guys I mean you got the the blanket coming out. Yep. But well between the blanket and the book and then later this year I will have an app. So that's been my pet project is to apply all of this sleep recipe to an app to make it easy to figure out. So you were like, well, where do you go? In the end of the year, you'll go to the app and it'll help walk you through how to create a sleep routine, how to challenge yourself for 30 days, similar to a, a Whole30 diet. I'm going to challenge myself to A-B test and figure out my sleep. And the other fun part of that is to create a community around sleep. So there'll be a community aspect of a sleep buddy and part of your tribe that's all morning people or people that you're doing the challenge with. And so you have some camaraderie on sleep. So I'm super excited about that later in the year. I love that. I love that. And and when's the when's the travel chili pad coming out? <laughs> We're working on it, man. You in the military. Yeah. And maybe Kelly Starrett. There's a there's a handful of people that are avidly asking for the travel chili pad, but we are working on one, I can say. Uh we're hopefully by the end of next year, maybe 2021. But okay. we're working on uh, a super powered chili pad that would be actually be able to impact metabolic rates. So you could actually have a metabolic change with it. Uh how yeah, it? so there's a ton of stuff we're working on, on the product development side. Amazing. So wait, how would that work? Ooh, that, so the mad scientist, I mean, this is yes. this is my dream, right? So once you're asleep, if I can manipulate, sounds so mean and like Frankenstein-y, but you're asleep. And so if you can adjust metabolic rates, if you can increase that recovery, if you can change how your metabolism works while you're asleep anyway, that sounds fabulous. I don't have to schedule that. I don't have to do that. It's back to... No willpower health sounds awesome to me. <laughs> so if I can, you know, add, you know, the future of adding, you know, other healthful treatments, making sure you're grounded, all those sort of things, that's the future is keeping health attached to sleep. And the more things you can do while you're asleep anyway in our busy lives, why not? Why not do it willpower, yeah. schedule, no impact? You know, that that seems to be the, the <laughs> smartest way to use sleep is to make it work for you. Well, I'm all about that. I'm all about the sleep hacking. The I, I, I love all this stuff. So it was super fun to talk to you guys today. And uh, we talked about doing a code. Yeah, man. Well, so we'll definitely set your listeners up with a code. So go to uh, your show's website and you'll find a discount code that people can't find anywhere else to get the best possible deal on a chili pad or chili blanket as soon as it's available. Any cooler. Yeah, well, we'll we'll link that stuff up in the show notes. So uh, go to the to the page, which will be noted in the intros. But, however, yeah, where can where can people find you on the interwebs? So our product website is chilitechnology.com. And on the internet, on Amazon, my book is for sale now. So if you want to learn more about some of these goofy sleep hacks that I've shared, it's Reprogram Your Sleep, the sleep recipe that works. 
Beautiful. We'll put that in the show notes as well. But hey, just acknowledge you guys for the the uh, difference you're making in the world. I love it. It's been huge for me. So I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for sharing your, your home and your podcast with us. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Todd and Tara, would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get the word out. And if you wanted to snag that discount, hop on over to the show notes over at neonradio.com slash EP184. That's N-I-O-N radio.com slash EP184. And uh, you can snag a little discount if you want to pick up a chili pad. I mean, do it. It is the most amazing thing. Again, game changer. I can't speak enough good words about the chili pad anyways, or the Uller pad, which is the new one. So with that, I am looking forward to bringing you guys so many more amazing guests to help you with your creative life. We're going to explore the ideas and the intersects of creativity, consciousness, and culture as things evolve throughout the rest of this podcast and this year. I love it. I'm excited to chat with some amazing people and share that with you. So with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. 